how much climate impacting emissions is your organization responsible for? And if you don't know, how do you go about finding that out? And then how do you use that to set emissions goals? Continue listening to Sustainable Ports and you'll find out. Welcome to Sustainable Ports, a podcast where we discuss sustainability from a port and shipping perspective. I'm Jenny Falkanger from the port of Trelleborg. A couple of weeks ago, I sat down with our climate consultants from 2050 and reflected on last year's work with updating our climate goals. As we're all from Sweden, I'm afraid that the interview was done in Swedish. That will inevitably be the case for some of the interviews that we do on this podcast. But as the world of ports and shipping is full of non-Swedish speakers, for those interviews, I will post shorter summaries in English, which is what I'm doing today. So in this episode, I'll tell you more about the deep dive that we did in 2022 into our emissions that in the end resulted in our new and very exciting climate goals. In the recent decade or so, climate change has gone from being questioned as a phenomenon to a reality that many of us unfortunately can see all around us. Confronted with something so real and actually visible, it's hard to not have a sense of urgency. As a port, we're very well aware that we're in an emissions-heavy sector. Transports are necessary for life as we know it, but it also represents a large chunk of the emissions that we need to tackle. Ports in and of themselves aren't necessarily heavy emitters, but in general, the trucks, the cars, ferries, and ships of today are. Our port has a long tradition of really investing in reducing our environmental impacts. Let's face it, as a lifelong environmentalist, I would not be part of this organization otherwise. However, we knew that we could do more. We just needed to figure out what we should do next and what we should aim for. As we began to think about and really discuss this, the questions that naturally followed quickly grew into a labyrinth of decisions to be made. How ambitious should we be? How should we limit our emissions geographically? What kind of developments can we expect to see in technology, in regulatory frameworks? Should we include our customers' emissions? During all of this, I started studying the Greenhouse Gas Protocol Manual, which can only be described as a massive brick to see if I could figure out how to go about this. I made it a few chapters in before I had to admit to myself that this was not the way to go. We needed experts with lots of experience. As I would soon learn, finding the right consultants to help us was not that straightforward either. Until it was. Many consultants offered simplified climate analysis corresponding to a very rough estimate, and they focused more on selling climate compensation so that we would be able to buy climate neutrality and be done within a matter of months. Obviously, that wasn't what we wanted. What we wanted was to get the most accurate number on our emissions that was possible. Of course, we knew that actually measuring our emissions wouldn't be possible. And to an extent, our emissions would have to be calculated and estimated. Such a number can never be perfect, especially not right off the bat. But we wanted to be able to feel that we'd gotten as close to the truth as we could get, and that the material would hold up to any outside scrutiny. In the end, we were lucky to find amazing people who shared our views on this. 
2050 is a Swedish consulting firm who work exclusively with estimating emissions, making life cycle assessments, setting up strategies for reducing emissions, etc. One of the founders was even part of the work to develop the greenhouse gas protocol. The protocol was launched in 1998 and was born out of a partnership between NGOs, national administrations, companies and organizations. The purpose was to establish an internationally accepted standard that would allow comparing emissions in a fair and as accurate manner as possible. There are other standards for emissions that work in a similar manner. For example, there's an ISO standard, but the greenhouse gas protocol has really established itself as the benchmark standard used by most companies. Our port in Trelleborg is actually less complex than many other ports that deal with many types of cargo at the same time. We basically don't handle bulk and containers, for example. We're almost exclusively a Ropax port. Simply put, that means that we're handling rolling cargo, trailers, trucks, and passengers. We know the ferries that call at our port. In many cases, we even know the crew. And the ships are owned by less than a handful of shipping companies. That all makes it much easier to work together and to have a regular and good dialogue. Further, in terms of investing in infrastructure, things are also made easier by the fact that we own the land where we operate, which isn't usually the case for ports, at least not in Sweden. We've been working closely with our team at 2050 all year. From our environmental reporting, we had a good grasp on some of our emissions, which was a good start. But there was so much more to dig into. For the year of 2021, we analyzed employee commutes, how much we had traveled and to where and with what type of transport. We gathered data on fuels, how many hours had our terminal trucks been up and running, How much had our buildings consumed? We asked for information from our suppliers and so on. With 2050 as our guide, we really took a flashlight to every little corner of our organization and painstakingly went through emissions category by emissions category. Not to sugarcoat things, conducting a complete climate assessment takes a lot of work and it requires the involvement of the whole organization. But then there was a part of the job that had us all scratching our heads. We're at the later stages of moving the whole port towards the east. We've created new land that extends into an area that used to be sea. We've constructed new berths, and we're building a new office building. It doesn't really take years of experience to realize that all that work on the infrastructure side results in emissions that are way out of the ordinary operations for a port. You might think... So what? If you're going to be honest about your emissions, be honest about your emissions, which is true. But what would happen when we conclude the work with the infrastructure? From one year to the next, we would have massively reduced our emissions, even if we did nothing to actually reduce the emissions connected to our daily operations. If we bundled the emissions from the move in our calculations, we could easily reach any new climate goals that we would set. But it wouldn't have been anything other than mathematics. And that was not what we wanted. So the solution, finally, was to do two calculations. One with and one without the construction work. You can find both in the full climate report on our website. So then, what did the results look like? When 2050 presented us with the results, we were actually quite stunned. They had found that 96% of the emissions related to our port were found in what is called scope 3. 
Scope 3 is a category of indirect emissions that are outside of our direct control. In our case, that's ferries, trucks, cars, as well as suppliers. When we made the decision to include all emission sources, we obviously realized that a large chunk would come from outside of our own operations. But none of us had guessed the extent of it. Most of us had also assumed that the ferries would be responsible for a large part of the emissions. But actually, as it turns out, their contribution is the same as that of the passenger cars, with about 7% each. The largest part of the emissions, about 84%, stem from the roughly 800,000 trucks that visit us each year. The whole point of the process was to arrive at new emissions goals. And with the results in front of us, that part of the work could begin. But considering the results, I wasn't quite sure how I should feel about setting new goals. On the one hand, it was positive that our own operations were responsible for such limited emissions. But on the other hand, reducing the emissions was now largely out of our hands and control. And what did that mean for our goals? Could we still be as ambitious as we wanted to? 2050 really helped put us at ease, though. They conducted a careful analysis of every imaginable factor that could affect our goals in the next 20 years. They studied the transport sector. They studied other ports in a global context, technology developments that we can assume will come, political decisions, legal requirements, and so on. By the end of it, we felt comfortable knowing that we'd done our homework. So now we feel incredibly excited to begin a new chapter in our port's history. In this chapter, we'll cover our journey to net zero by 2040. Reaching this goal will require us to be creative, innovative, and to make smart investments. More important than anything, though, is our work with our customers. We will have to fine-tune our port to meet their needs and find ways to provide the green fuels they will need. We can be sure of one thing. This journey to net zero won't be a sprint. We're taking the very first steps of a marathon. We'll no doubt see many successes along the way, but most likely we'll also see our fair share of setbacks. However, sharing all of it and being completely transparent is the best way to move forward the way we look at it. The challenges that we face are similar to so many of us, and we need to inspire each other in finding the right solutions. That's the idea behind this podcast. We've set out on a journey where we're looking for solutions to getting to net zero. And by talking about sustainability in a broad context with experts, innovators, policymakers, customers, suppliers, competitors, perhaps with you who are listening, we hope to find new ideas and discuss new creative ways to get to where we need to go. If you think that sounds interesting, I hope that you will subscribe and stay tuned for the next episode where I'm talking to Pete Quigley from Stenaline in Liverpool. You'll find out how their waste management system in port has achieved an impressive 95 to 100% recycling rate and how dealing with the pandemic has made them more prepared for the challenges of coming years. In the meantime, you can read more about our sustainability work, find data and reports on our website, and you can follow our work on social media. I'm Jenny Falkanger. Thank you for listening, and until next time. There's no sort of silver bullet that we can fire and say, right, that's going to solve the problem. So I think it's an exciting time because there's, there's opportunities for new technologies to develop. We know it's, it's going to be a challenging time. It's not something we want to deal with, but I think what we've learned is that we can deal with it, you know, and we'll, we, we deal with it as, as we always do. We deal with as, as, as a team. I always feel that ports are, are one big family. There'll always be somebody that would be willing to help and, 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 and share their experiences with you.